Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Thank you guys. Uh, Romans 14. Thanks, Trip. Um, thank you guys so much for praying and for allowing me to come up here. It's such a privilege to, to be with you guys. Um, love you guys. Love uh, Trip and Paolo and Teva and just uh, Sergio, all you guys that are here. Um, it's been it's been my privilege to be a part of you know serving you guys through teaching the word and and I know a lot of you and uh, I'm connected to a lot of you in a lot of different ways as well and and so thank you guys for your prayers. Um, yeah, excited to uh, bring the word this morning. Privilege to do that. So let's get into it. Romans chapter fourteen. Um, and so Paul obviously has been talking uh, and making this gigantic argument, right? And and not a bad not a bad way argument, right? Not an emotional argument. Like he's been building his case for salvation by grace that we're justified by faith, and he pulls from the Old Testament and he pulls from just common sense and he shows how we're all broken and we're in need of a savior. And the beauty is that. God has shown up in the person of Christ and calls us to peace in himself. That there's no condemnation, therefore, in Christ Jesus. And he moves and he talks about how that extends out to Jews and Gentiles and how that all works. And so we get to chapter 12, and Paul gives us application. From 12 to kind of the end of this book, he starts to apply the first 11 chapters of all that God has done and all that God is. And such a beautiful thing. And, and that's what Christianity is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. The fact that God initiates salvation. See, religion says you do all you can to get to God. Christianity, the gospel says God has done everything so you can come to him. And it's a radically different thing. And so here we get into chapter 14, and Paul is now applying it to a very specific case study. And so here, let's look. I'm going to read the first 12 verses, but we're going to actually go through the whole chapter as we preach. So here we go. Chapter 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while another, or excuse me, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who serves the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. And the one who, oh, excuse me, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us live to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, 
As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for uh, how you use Paul to speak to your church and you speak even to us today. Lord, we want to stand in submission and humble obedience to you today. Please speak to each of us and touch us in areas only you can. Challenge our minds, our thinking, challenge our hearts, and challenge our actions. Transform us from the inside out for your glory that we might live in honor of you. I pray for the mission. I pray that as Easter is coming up, that they would truly be on mission, that they would be missionaries, sharing the good news, the gospel message of your love for the world, that there is hope, that there's grace, that there's forgiveness, that there's salvation, that there's cleansing, that there's joy in you. Use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 15. Go. Um, <laughs> like Trip was saying, I got three kids and one on the way. Uh, and, you know, on occasion, you know, my, my kids are, you know, amazing. But on occasion, they do fight. Every now and again, they'll fight about, you know, like a toy or like get into the car first. Sometimes they'll fight about a Lego, how much their brother has on their plate, that they didn't get enough, that there's too much on their brother's plate. Uh, they fight about getting into their car seat first, getting out of the car. They fight about everything, basically, is what I'm saying, right? What my wife and I try to do in these situations is grab them and talk to them as we're trying to untangle whatever's going on. There's so many things to untangle. And we tell them, listen, your brother, your sister is so much more important than any piece of plastic. Your brother, your sister is so much more important than any of these squabbles that you're having. Why do we do that? We are trying to get them to care for each other. Trying to get them to see our care for them so that they might care for one another. That's what Paul is doing in this text. He's trying to display the care of God. Demonstrate who God is what he's done so that the Roman Christians might care deeply for one another. And we're going to see that in three ways. In this text, we see them, or Paul exhorting them to care for one another because Jesus is captain, he's chief, he's Lord. To care for one another out of concern for each other, just like the Lord has concern for them. And to care for one another because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for them. And so how does this apply to us? How do we work out Christianity in, in such diversity? See, the beauty of the Christian church is it ought to be diverse. So how do we relate to each other who have such different backgrounds? Some of us come from different places. Some of us have different passions. Some of us have different com 
completely different backgrounds in how we've been raised and the environment we've grown up in and the work that we're into and what we desire, what our passions are, all these different things. How do we relate to one another when we're so different? And then specifically, how do we relate to each other on areas of opinion, areas that aren't essential to what the gospel is? And so Paul gets us right into it. Talks about verse one, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes you may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Just going to leave that on the table for a second, all right? Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So let me paint a little bit of context and background here for us. <clears throat> you have two categories of people that Paul is talking about. You have the weak and you have the strong. But these are in regard to matters of opinion, Right? So first distinction that we need to make is that Paul is not talking about essentials of Christianity, right? What he's not saying is, oh, one person believes Jesus is this and another person believes Jesus is this, no big deal. That's not at all what he's saying. Oh, one person believes this about the gospel, another person believes this about the gospel. No. When Paul talks about things that are essential to the faith, the gospel, he goes off, right? Galatians chapter one, what do you say? If anyone comes to you preaching a different gospel, let him be accursed of God. Pretty heavy language. It says it twice. If me, he includes himself, or an angel from heaven comes to you preaching any other gospel, let them be condemned. And so when it comes to matters of essentials, things that are non-negotiables in the faith, Paul calls us not to be judgmental in spirit or condemning, but to stand with strong and firm conviction on what God's word teaches. However, on matters of non-essentials, like again, what he says, opinions, we are to show grace. Regardless, we are to be gracious in our interactions with one another. We aren't to be condemning to Christians or non-Christians, nor are we to be condescending to Christians or non-Christians. And Paul's going to get into why. But the first thing he does is call them out. Verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? What are you saying? Modern vernacular, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Right? Can you hear the parental tone? Who do you think you are, young man? Right? And so what is happening is that you have Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And they're all together in the Roman church. The church probably started off primarily of Jewish believers in Rome. right? The gospel came. Uh, these Jewish people saw Jesus as the Messiah, received him joyfully. But at some point, there was a decree that expelled all Jewish people from Rome at the time. And so what ends up happening? Gentiles are the only ones that are there. And Gentiles start to get saved. And so then you have this big church of Gentiles. They allow Jews to come back in. And then you have this tension that's going on. You have Gentile believers and Jewish believers trying to figure out how to care for one another. Right? And so you have Jewish people that are refusing, or excuse me, uh, 
well, yeah, they're refusing to do certain things that the Gentile believers are doing, right? They, although they don't believe you're saved by the law of Moses, they're probably still keeping a lot of the kosher laws of Moses, the Mosaic law. They understand that they're saved by Jesus, they're saved by grace. They're not saying that Gentiles have to do that, but what they are saying or what they are doing is sitting on judgment over those Gentile believers saying, oh, if you do that, though, you might end up down the road denying the Lord. So what their weakness is, is that they don't feel the freedom to eat things that haven't been prepared in a kosher manner. At least that's what's most likely. Or they won't be drinking certain wines because they're afraid it was used in a pagan service. Well, ultimately, Paul talks about this in in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 10. Um, Similar, not the same situation. But the idea is that, you know what? Everything's clean. Everything's clean. We're going to get into that in a second. What his command, what his mandate is, and what his thesis is, don't pass judgment on your brother. And for those that are strong, don't be condescending to the weak. Paul says, welcome him. Don't judge him. Welcome him. Don't be condescending toward him. Who do you think you are? And he's going to loop back to this. But this is a little exhortation. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. He's going to stand before the Lord because the Lord is gracious to the strong and the weak alike. Verse 5, one person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Same thing. Jewish festivals, right? You had holy days, Sabbath days, different feasts that were going on. And so the Jews felt a conviction that they ought to observe these things because they'd grown up doing them. Gentiles had no conviction of that, right? Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. The main thing here isn't about strong or weak. The main thing is whose we belong to, who we belong to. We belong to the Lord, not to ourselves. In the church of God, it's no longer about us. It's about others. It's about him. And he makes it about others. And so if you abstain, abstain to the Lord in glory and honor for him. Be convinced about it. If you're strong and you don't abstain and you indulge, do it to the Lord. Praise God. Again, these are things that are amoral things, right? Amoral things. He's not saying, go be a thief. Like, that's not what he's talking about. You're free to do whatever. No, that's not what he's saying. People talk about that. I have freedom. I'm under the law. I'll do whatever. No. You're under the law of Christ. But he's saying, whether you're in strong camp or weak camp, and there is a distinction, right? He says there are strong and there are weak. You are the Lord's ultimately. And here's why. Verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and lived again in order that he might be both Lord of the dead and the living. See, Christ died to gain that right for himself. Who do you think you are to take it on yourself? Back to the question, verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself before the Lord. All righty. Do you see what's going on here? He's reframing their thinking. You don't have the right to sit in judgment over other people. You don't have the right to condemn other people. You're not the Lord. Nor do you have a right to sit condescendingly over other people, looking down on them. You're not the Lord. See, when we judge, when we condemn people, especially believers, when we look condescendingly on people, we are usurping the throne of God. He is the one, right? The rappers kind of have a right. Only God can judge me, right? Sense that that's true. The sense that ultimately God is the only judge. And all of us, all of us are going to stand before him. They're not going to stand before him for you, and you're not going to stand before him for them. When my kids are fighting, bickering, he did this, he did You're standing before me, son. You're standing before me, daughter. Each of us are standing before God as the Lord. He is captain. And he's calling us. He is calling us to lay aside that and love each other, to care for one another, to welcome each other. Uh, and you guys listen to Jim Gaffigan? I'm a big fan of Jim Gaffigan. He's hilarious. Um, he's got this bit about McDonald's, right? Because I, I love eating at McDonald's. Usually it's like a dead silence, just like everything in here. <laughs> Like, I love the response when I tell people, like, it's like, oh, you know, it's like he admitted to dogfighting or something, right? Like, like, tell somebody, oh, yeah, I, I love eating McDonald's. Like, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. You know, like, that's how it goes. And the whole idea, the whole idea is that certain things merit judgment. He goes on and he talks about the fact of the matter is all of us, in some way, like some form of McDonald's, right? You might not eat McDonald's, but you're sitting in line at the register and you're looking at the gossip column, like, oh, who's Jennifer Aniston dating? Whoa, what's Brad Pitt doing? Whoa, it's all McDonald's. That's what he's saying. <laughs> it's funny because I have three kids. Now, like I said, before I had three kids, you have certain expectations about how you're going to raise your kids, right? I've never taken them to McDonald's. And all of a sudden, you three kids down the road, and it's the third time this week. You're like, we're going to McDonald's. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Why do I bring this up? See, Jesus is captain. He's Lord. He's the one who knows where we fall, where we deserve judgment. And we're not to sit in that place because at the end of all things, he's going to reveal all things. We have a responsibility before him. So let me ask you this morning, who do you think you are? Who do you sit in judgment over? Who do you have a condescending attitude towards? It might be, you know, somebody in church, that you're just not welcoming them. That's Paul's whole exhortation. Care for each other and welcome each other. Why? Because you're not the Lord. The Lord has purchased both of you 
So accept each other like he accepts you. Is your default condescension or is it care? The Lord calls us to care. And he calls us to care out of concern for one another. Paul now shifts and he starts talking about the strong in the faith. So that was mostly about the weak. The weak have a tendency to judge, to look at those and, and look at their freedom and say, oh man, how could that person be a Christian? You know, that person listens to this type of music or that person likes this type of worship. You know, these are issues of freedom, but they're sitting in judgment on, on an, another. And now he shifts the conversation, verse 13. Therefore, conclusion, do not pass judgment on one another any longer. But rather, if you want to judge something, the word is literally the same, judge and decide. Judge never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do you not destroy the one for whom Christ died? Don't put a hindrance. Right? So the strong, they have a freedom. They have a freedom to drink. They have a freedom to eat. What he says is, don't use that freedom as a stumbling block. And we've often heard the concept, oh, that stumbles me or whatever. And I think we often think of stumbling as offending, right? Oh, that stumbles me. And what we're really saying is that offends me. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about spiritual harm to another, right? He says, don't do that. Don't destroy the work of God in somebody's life. You see that? So he's using those synonymously. Stumbling has the idea, right? Jesus was the cornerstone and they stumbled over him. And the idea is stumble toward destruction. And so what he's talking about here is causing spiritual harm to somebody else by your freedom. Don't use your freedom as a hindrance for somebody else. And he goes on, verse 16. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. It's a good thing. This is something that you can rejoice in. But don't let it become something for evil in somebody else's life. Verse 17. Why? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Talking about how trivial it is to be so concerned about your rights to eat and to drink as opposed to the things that God has called us to. To righteousness, to peace, to joy. They don't compare. He goes on, verse 18. Whoever thus serves Christ, is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, mini conclusion, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We ought to care for each other and try to edify one another. We ought to be helping each other grow in the Lord. That's what Paul is talking about here. Verse 20, negative. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is clean. The idea, right? Jewish mentality. It's clean and unclean. Clean or common are literally the words that are used. It's all clean. Everything indeed is clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It's clean, but if you're using it as a stumbling, if it's destroying the work of God in somebody else's life, it becomes unclean to you. It becomes something that is evil in your life. 
verse 21, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. He extends it to wine here. Verse 22, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubt is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so, Paul frames this thing for the strong. Those that have the right, those that are free in their conscience to eat whatever, to drink whatever. Look, nothing is intrinsically unclean. No food is intrinsically unclean, is what he's saying. Enjoy it. But enjoy it in the privacy of your own home or with people that are like-minded. Don't flaunt your freedom. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sit condescendingly on others like, oh, I can't believe you. can't believe you don't have the freedom I got. Right? What he's doing, he's calling them to care for each other out of concern for the Lord's work in somebody else's life. Yeah, you have freedom. Use your freedom as an opportunity to care for others that are weaker than you. He reshapes the whole thing. He reframes the whole thing. He calls us to help. Paul is, uh, Paul is encouraging the strong in the Roman church to use liberty for love, not as a hindrance, but as a help and not to hurt those weak in the faith. God is calling us, calling the church of God always to care for the weak among us, to care for those out of concern for their best. My wife does a, a homeschool group with a, a few other families, and, and uh, they had this assignment. One of the little girls had this assignment, uh, do a survey of everybody's favorite fruit, and then she was supposed to draw all the favorite fruits, right? And and so she's doing all this stuff, coming to everybody. And so she comes to my wife, and she's like, oh, Sarah, what's your favorite fruit? And she says, oh, my favorite fruit is a papaya. The girl's like, oh, you can't draw papaya. Can you, can you give me something else? Like, oh, it's okay, yeah, my, my favorite fruit is a blueberry. It's like, oh, I can draw a blueberry, right? What if my wife was just like, no, my favorite fruit is a papaya. I have a right to like what I want to like. This is my favorite fruit, not yours. It's not about what you can draw. It's about me. Destroying this little girl. Isn't that, isn't that just ridiculous? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? That's Paul's point. That's Paul's point. That we would demand something so trivial as the right to eat or to drink at the expense of somebody else's spiritual health. The kingdom of God does not consist of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy. He's trying to reframe our thinking. Nothing that we do is as important as the work of salvation in somebody else's life. No freedom that we might enjoy is more important than caring for the one whom Christ died. That's what he's talking about. God is calling us to show concern for those around us. Married couples. Married couples. Are you caring and showing concern for your spouse? 
One thing that I found in my own marriage is when I tend to get frustrated or angry, it's because I'm wanting my own rights fulfilled or I'm wanting, I'm wanting to be served rather than to serve. Almost 100% of conflict, times that I'm frustrated, because I want to be served rather than to serve. Think about that for a second. Why aren't these dishes done? That means I have to serve. Can't my kids pick up these toys? I want them to serve me. They know how hard I work. Can we do it in the body of Christ? person really loved me that they would, you know, come up and talk to me. I want them to serve us. See, Paul is calling us to service with a right attitude. Paul is calling us to care for one another. Again, to welcome each other out of love and concern for what Christ has done and concern for the spiritual health of others. But why? Why would we do this? Why would we lay down our rights, the things that we have freedom to do? Why would we do that? Well, ultimately, weaved throughout this passage and, and weaved through anything that you read of Paul is the gospel. Okay? We are called to care because Jesus is chief. Okay? He's Lord. We're called to care out of concern for others. We're ultimately called to care because of the cross. We're called to care because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. We are to welcome one another because Christ has welcomed us. Paul weaves the gospel through everything that he does. One thing Paulo and I were talking about this week is the idea of gospel preference, that we would understand the gospel enough to have gospel preference for other people, that we would care enough to draw people in, to welcome them, to care for them. What he says. <clears throat> um, where are we? Oh, verse 9. For to this end, and we're going back, we're gonna weave it. for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both uh, Lord of the dead and of the living. The reason Christ died is to purchase the right of lordship over all creation. There's not one part of creation over which Christ does not say, mine, one commentator said. Right? He is Lord. He's Lord over it all. And he bought that right by paying with his life. Who are you to judge somebody else? Jesus is judge, and he allowed himself to be judged that we might be reconciled. Not only that, he calls us to love one another. Why would you destroy the work of God in somebody else? The work that Christ died for to produce. His love extends beyond his own rights. He was king. He had everything he needed in heaven. He didn't need to come and save any of us. And yet he laid down his rights. You look at Philippians 2. This walk of submission, humility, he humbled himself taking on the form of a man, not only a man, a servant, humbling himself to death, not just death, but death on a cross. So that the Lord may highly exalt him, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. 
who are we to try to take the place of the Lord? We would come in judgment. He comes in humility. We come condescendingly looking down on others. He comes and he condescends and becomes one of us. See, the gospel is the fact that Jesus was God and he became a man. He lived a perfect life for you and for me. And then he died a death he did not deserve to die so that he might reconcile us. The Bible says that the sin of you and I was placed on him. That the wrath of God that we deserve fell upon him as our substitute. And that he rose again, breaking the bond of sin, death, and the devil. That we might be free, not to exercise our freedom to show how free we are, but to exercise our freedom to care for one another and to display the glory of God in our relationships. God is most glorified when the church of God is inexplicably, inexplicably loving toward one another. Why did those guys hang out? There's no other reason than the gospel. I'm not saying friendship through affinity, like you guys have the same passion. That's, that's, nothing's wrong with that. But it is confounding when you have completely different kinds of people meeting together, and loving one another. And the only reason is the gospel. That is what Paul is calling these people to in Rome. And that's what he's calling us to. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus. He's the one we're leaning on. And in those things where we have to have strong conviction, where we talk about Jesus as the only way to heaven, we do it not judgmentally, not condemningly, not condescendingly, but humbly. Because we recognize that we're not saved because we're better than anybody. In fact, quite the opposite. We recognize our need for saving and we see a Savior who's welcomed us to himself. And we exercise that care toward one another. The idea is faith. The heart of this is faith. For without faith, he says, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. Here it says, Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. What we're doing when we love one another in that way is we're saying, Lord, you're right. We're putting our trust in you and we're letting our lives reflect that. When it's not something of faith and why nothing or why everything that is not of faith is sin is because we are seeking self-salvation. We are seeking to do what God has claimed for himself and only himself. I'm going to close with this exhortation, this encouragement. Welcome each other in the name of the Lord. Welcome each other because you're not the Lord. Welcome each other because Christ died for those that you might feel condescendingly toward, that you might have judgment toward. 
welcome each other out of care. Care that the Lord has for each of you. Out of that, we care for one another. If you're not a Christian today, I encourage you. Today is not a day of judgment. The Bible says that there is a day of judgment. There's a day where we're going to stand before God. The Bible says that the only way we get in is in Christ. It's not by our works, not by how good we are, not by how we cared for one another. It really isn't. It's through the care of Christ that he would save us. Again, that he died in our place. And he calls us to turn from our sin and put our trust in his saving work. That's what the gospel is. None of us is good, no, not one. But Jesus, the God-man, comes and saves us. And from that, we care for each other. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and for your truth. We thank you for Paul's clear exhortation to us. We pray that you would help each of us to proclaim you as Lord by how we care for each other, that we would show concern for each other because of your concern for us, Lord, that we would welcome one another because you welcome us into your kingdom. Help us to use our freedom as an opportunity to serve and to love because that's what you did. We thank you for your spirit and your spirit's work in our lives. We pray that you would have full reign in us as we worship you now. Thank you.